Century and this millennium, all kinds of uh, ominous predictions. And the ending of both a century and a millennium. We'll have, if we survive, we'll have a chance to see what see it. people do always get into these kind of doom and gloom predictions. Somebody told me today that uh, the UK is expected to kind of disappear into the Atlantic Ocean. Remember a few years ago in San Diego and somebody I knew was living right near the St. Andreas Fault told me, you know, about the prediction that England would, would, go, would at the end of the century, would um, some earthquake would happen or something, it would disappear. And I told him, I said, I think I'd, I think I'd risk it in England with St. Andrew's Fault in California. It looks more dodgy. <laughs> some pretty violent earthquakes. And the future is, uh, you know, we're, we're always fascinated by the things that might happen in the future. Somehow gloom, doom, and disaster, and all that, somehow it's quite exciting it, to the mind. When nature takes over, and suddenly we, we realize our helplessness, that all our plans and desires and Infatuations and obsessions suddenly meaningless, and the as nature kind of roars over us in a windstorm or an earthquake. And somehow we, that's quite when nature does it. We, we, there's something in us knows that we, we just have to. This, this is a dangerous place we're living, and this planet. It's not, not something to to become dependent upon. 
And then the human beings are quite capable of making life totally miserable for for everyone else. Uh, even when Mother Nature is benign and cooperative. So we can we can have the uh, you know do a lot of murder and destruction just through our own ignorance. And this we we feel you know we want we we feel indignant about and angry and resentful. Uh, but in terms of Mother Nature, we just have to, we know there's nothing we can do. Uh, primitive. Well, primitive times, the people would feel it was God, you know, kind of sending down punishments or warnings because of our selfishness and our evilness. But now we don't tend to think like that. We know hardly anyone that thinks of cyclone or windstorm or that is something God is doing to us. But the future is uh, is always the unknown, and and this not knowing, <coughs> 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 not knowing is an um, important lesson to. Uh, to in in a spiritual path to recognize and to know not knowing Ajahn Chah used to always use that you know say my man everything's uncertain when anyone would ask him about the future he'd always always come uh, forth with my man everything is uncertain don't know and this, uh, he would reiterate again and again because everybody would like, you know, in an age where we want to know differently, can we count on this? Is this going to happen? Uh, we have these diaries, file effects, uh, internet, everything is kind of, um, high tech that, that helps us to plan the future. We have this sense of you know, that we know what we're going to do this year, next year. But if we just stay in that state of not knowing, <coughs> what is it like? <coughs> so on this retreat, I encourage this uh, to contemplate not knowing something as experience. This use this don't know. Future is the unknown. You can just to to contemplate this this uh, this sense of not knowing is like this. So right now, you know, you think. What are you going to do tomorrow? 
And of course, you'll, you'll probably, if I should ask you, you should give me conventional answers. Well, I'll be going to practice tomorrow, and tomorrow is a Friday, and uh, we must, uh, I'm supposed to meet this person, and, but actually, right now, at this moment, tomorrow is the unknown, isn't it? As for, as direct experience. Tomorrow I'm going to fly to Italy. That's the, that's the convention, isn't it? I've got an airplane ticket. Uh, I've got a passport. Already made arrangements to have an early meal. They're all planned out. And I suppose they've been notified the monks in Italy I suppose the airline is all, you know, has it all scheduled in the right way. And so we, we, this is what we, we the, the world for us is like this, the, the planning, the, the sense of confidence that this will all, this is going to definitely happen and more likely it, it will happen, uh, you know, you know, if I don't anticipate any problems. But in terms of direct experience right now, what is it? Tomorrow. What is tomorrow? In terms of now, you're, you're conscious, you're awake now. Don't know, is it? Tomorrow's always, in terms of experiences, don't know, I don't know. <clears throat> And you can speculate, you know, you think, well, you plan, speculate, guess, hope, dread, everything might fall apart tomorrow. England might actually, you know, before I get to the airport, get on the plane to Italy, it might sink into the ocean. See, I know. <laughs> that's, that's speculation, uh, like dreading, you know, dreading the future. The worst possible thing you imagine might happen, or... Hoping you know, everything's going to go well, it's going to be fine. But hoping is, is what you're doing now. You're hoping everything will go well, or you're dreading the possibility of everything going wrong. Speculating, planning, anticipating, these are functions of the mind, aren't they, about the future. We, but they're always in the present. We anticipate, like I am anticipating going to Italy tomorrow. That's anticipation, isn't it? In terms of experience right now. Uh, like this is direct knowing the way things are. They uh, so always establishing this this uh, attention in the present to the way it is. The future is the unknown. Tomorrow is always my now, isn't it? It's always uncertain on what you don't know. Because there's only now, isn't it? In terms of experience, experience is always now. 
And so the past is uh, is uh, memory in the present. We can give a lot of importance to our past, you know, and the and the that's you know we we uh, remember things and have achieved or the terrible things have happened or disappointments or great uh, experiences. But in terms of the present moment, whatever has happened, whatever you remember, good or bad or indifferent, it's memory now. It has no substance to it. Memories are just fleeting, flickering experiences in the present. The future is don't know. So when you don't know something, what it is like, what is it like as experience? Right, mind stops, doesn't it? Don't know. So that, but you're you're aware of not knowing. The awareness is is uh, is is now. Mindfulness is now. Panya is now. Wisdom is now. Uh, intuitive awareness is now. This is experience now. And so, not knowing is now. So there's a knowing. This is like direct knowing of the way it is. So in, in the intuitive knowing or jnana, jnana, this jnana, this insight, knowledge, it's direct knowledge. <coughs> The practice of uh, not knowing is a good one, you know, just to to see, just watch this uh, tendency of 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 the human of yourself. You, you, you always think about what you're going to do next. Uh, what should you do after the retreat? Uh, should you stay a monk or none, or should you leave, or should, what should you do in the future? And uh, the future is has a you know that possibility it, of, of uh, success, failure, praise, blame, happiness, suffering. Um, all of that is is uh, possible mixtures of it. Or maybe everything will go wrong. You'll, maybe your future will only be you'll be blamed and you'll fail. You'd be miserable, sickly, and weak, and maybe that will be the, the, the or, or maybe the future will be all the best. You'll be praised, and you'll be successful, and you'll be healthy and happy, prosperous, rich, admired, and that's that's possible, possibility. But possibility 
is is still the unknown. You know, that, that speculation, guessing, hoping, dreading. So in this knowing, this direct knowing, where like in the axis mundi, you're going right back to the center of the universe, isn't it? Which the shore that has no shore beyond it, right to that point where you can't get beyond it. And then with mindfulness, you, you, you know, you know, when you're looking at the further shore, you know, you're looking at out there, uh, at the future, and then, then you can, you can fill it up with all kinds of images of success and failure, praise and blame. Whole fantasy world of make-believe you can create about the future. Both on, you know, as something that's going to be wonderful, you'll be fulfilled, all your wishes will be granted. Everything will be wonderful, golden age, enlightenment. You can get enlightened in the future. And then, uh, or maybe, you know, you'll, you know, you have, a, you know, you'll be paralyzed, you'll have some, uh, enervating, Disgusting disease for the next 20 years. England might sink. The Sangha might disrobe. The temple might fall down. Even though the architect said this is such a strong building, 20 elephants could dance on the roof. But that's his opinion. That's a, a pleasant image, though. Twenty elephants dancing on the roof. But the knowing is a, is a, it's the puto, the knowing of the way it is. Uh, all the conditions, all conditioned world, the conditions are impermanent, anicca, uh, anatta, and then the unconditioned, realizing the unconditioned. This is all now. This is about now. Enlightenment then can only be now, not if you think in the future. Then you're then you're you're caught in that belief of of uh, that the future is where you will uh, be able to have, uh, achieve some some state that you hope that you that you want that you long for. So in practice, when the enlightenment is always now, so it's the practice of being enlightened that we're doing. This, this knowing, this awakening, this awakened state is, is actually learning how to be enlightened, to trust yourself, to be awake and attentive in the present. Contemplate it like that, rather than, than thinking that, that enlightenment will that happen sometime in the future, maybe. 
Maybe, maybe not. And that, that's based on the illusion isn't it, of time, of self. Time is reality. Self is reality. Future is reality. So if, if enlightenment is now, then what is it? It's like, like being awake. and That's as simple as you can get it. Paying attention. Uh, listening now. It's not, it's not a personal thing. It's not like I'm becoming enlightened right now and I'm, I'm claiming to be an enlightened person. There's nothing to do with it. That doesn't make sense anymore. It's, it's, it's a natural state that we, um, uh, that we are, uh, beginning to recognize, realize through these various uh, through this, this tradition, through this form, through this retreat. We, we're, we're, more and more we, we are seeing the futility of endlessly kind of creating ourselves over and over again and regretting the past and, or looking always to the future or whatever. We, we, we see the impermanent nature of conditions. We see through that the, the self-view that we have is merely a conditioned thing in the mind that arises and ceases. And so the, this uh, here and now Dhamma, Pachubanna Dhamma, Santitiko, Akaliko, Ehipasko, Opanayako, Bajitangwe, Tidapo, we knew he's chanted apparent here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation to be experienced individually by the wise. It's very direct. So then, uh, of course, your, your emotional mind, your emotions will say, you know, well, I'm certainly, uh, you know, I'm awake now, but I certainly don't feel like I'm enlightened. But that's because you're Emotions will never get enlightened. Emotions are conditions. So don't expect your emotions to ever get enlightened. Because they're just asking, they're not, uh, that's not within their potential. So you can't believe your emotions. Your emotions say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm such a, you know, difficult person, it'll take me years of hard work. Maybe several more lifetimes before I ever get in line. <laughs> That's the emotions that uh, say things like that. But that which is aware, you're not the emotions, are you? Because you can be aware of your emotions. So whatever you're feeling emotionally right now, you can be aware of. It's like this. You're learning to pay attention. That's an awakened, enlightened moment. And right now, just that listening, that attention in the present. And you're going to look at, at maybe what you're feeling in terms, not in terms of 
judging or as some personal uh, quality, but it is what it is. You know, it feels like this, it's like this. Sometimes you you know in meditation you get really peaceful and you sit here and you just, your mind goes very kind of silent and the ringing silence and everything just perfect just absolutely perfect then then later on you you find all certain kind of really unwanted emotions start coming up and you leave them in this nice state and then later on in the day some unwanted emotions start nattering away and you you know you'd like to you, you keep hoping that over the years these emotions will shut up or go away or disappear and you, you just want to stay in the nice silent peacefulness Forever. And then, uh, then you find some stupid emotion coming up. No, no, this is, um, it's like mosquitoes and flies and, and, uh, wind and rain and all that, isn't it? Even, even an enlightened being has to put up with uh, mosquitoes and uh, flies buzzing and and uh, the wind and the rain and all that. But you learn how to 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 uh, to, to be friendly with it. So like to be friendly with your emotions. You say, "Oh, you again," you know, like like even if they're. Uh, you know the emotions that are that are not very nice. Uh, I found the more I resist and try to get rid of them, the more uh, I go back into these various states of despair. So it's like just seeing the your emotional habits uh, and Mara and. And all this temptation as something that's uh, that's always there to to help you, rather than to tempt you and delude you. They're there to keep reminding you not to get too uh, caught up in 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 peacefulness and serenity. And and that, but the world is like this. There's always mosquitoes or something irritating. You know, you have moments of bliss and serenity and and all that, and where everything, you know, there's nothing uh, unpleasant, uh, irritating, or frustrating you. But but uh, so much of human experience, uh, from from birth to death, is around and the frustrations, the irritations, agitations, external and internal. So we can become kind of peace junkies, you know. We want peace. I just want peace and harmony. And uh, I don't want disharmony. I don't want 
any of those unpleasant things. But remember, this realm is like this. It's, it has, it's good and bad and pleasant and unpleasant, uh, harmonious and unharmonious. Uh, so that the, 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 the here and now Dhamma, the mindfulness is the way, not harmony, not serenity isn't the way, but the knowing is the way in the present. So I remember thinking at one time like Mara or Satan or the devils. These are really, you know, they're really the best friends because they'll they'll never let you be satisfied with anything other than perfect, complete enlightenment. You not find, you know, in, in just uh, serenity on a in a in a beautiful situation uh, will not, uh, you know, there'll always be those will be Mara's come to destroy it, and that's because they're your friend. awaken you to to this realm that we're in is like this conditioned realm is like this we still have to bear with the 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 vipaka kama we have till we die till the body dies we have to bear with the changing uh, conditions of a body as it ages and the sickness and the Diseases, the weaknesses, stomach upsets, colds, headaches, strokes, heart attacks, cancer, all the rest. In a, in a world that is, uh, you know, so, so much ignorance and selfishness, uh, listening to the news, they, they tried this, uh, these war criminals in, uh, The Hague, where one, one young man is a, uh, was, is a, uh, gave himself up as a war criminal uh, that was involved in the in a kind of massacre of the all these Muslim uh, men and boys uh, several years ago in Bosnia, and uh, and he he's 26, 27 years old, 26 years old, and uh, he was part of the firing squad and they, they brought all these these uh, Muslim men from Srebrenica uh, uh, and all the males uh, men of all ages and boys brought them in in buses to this place outside of Srebrenica and and, uh, and then lined them up ten at a time and then sh- shot them in the head in the back and about several thousand and uh, the coach drivers were so shocked that they made the coach drivers shoot some of them so that they would be part of the crime 
And so even if you didn't want to do it, you you more or less felt you had to or you'd be shot. Horrific, isn't it? Just that, just that kind of image of just this cold-blooded uh, kind of demonic murdering and in, and taking uh, people. I mean, not only I think the ones who were killed were the more fortunate ones. Isn't it? That to live, you know, a life uh, with those horrid memories, knowing that you'd done that. I think I'd rather be shot. I'd rather be one of the dead ones. But this is, this is in, in a world where, and what, what is this about in a country that basically used to be fairly, you know, harmonious? They're all the same kind of race. They aren't even different races. No kind of speak Serbo-Croate. Serbo-Croatian language, and they, you know, it's a common language, kind of racial, ethnic, uh, slightly different religious uh, identities, and all the, the 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 resentment and hatred that comes from from building on these uh, attachments to ethnic identity. It's like in North Ireland, isn't it? It's, how can you know how you go around hating Protestants or Catholics just because they're Protestant or Catholics? What what is it in the human mind that that, that happens that we that we can say your mother or father says all the Protestants are should be killed and then you kind of proceed to to do it? <laughs> What what is it that in in the human mind that racial prejudices or these ethnic uh, prejudices that we would commit atrocities over over these perceptions of the mind? And it's happening all over the world, isn't it? it, it you know, it's so common it's the class hatreds and and. It, it, uh, just, it seems to be just so, so rampant, the, the murdering, uh, the torturing, the atrocity around identity with, with a political party or, or an ethnic group or a religious group, or being just uh, male or female. That's not direct knowledge. That that is conditioning of the mind. That is that is avicca or ignorance. So then, where there's avicca, there's going to be dukkha as a result. So this young man is, uh, he's, he's, he feels incredible remorse, I guess, over this. He, he, he voluntarily surrendered and is willing to testify. They found these mass graves, uh, in this area where they were, where they did the killing. And he, uh, he obviously is, uh, you know, 
wanting some kind of justice. Because a young, young man like that, that happened, well, he must have been only about 20 or, you know, early 20s when he did it. You know, you're, you're forced, you know, they're like wars and things, you take your, your youth and, and make them do dreadful things. You know, young men usually don't have wisdom to guide them, so they really, they get pushed, compelled, intimidated, uh, into doing, uh, committing atrocities. Now it is very sad to see this, the, the human, the human potential for awakened, for being awake, for being enlightened, for compassion, for wisdom and compassion, and yet so much Humanity is wasted, isn't it, in this endless uh, conditioning of the mind to hate and to be prejudiced and resentful and, and, uh, and then to intimidate and force people into actions and commit immoral acts and, and bind them to guilt and, and uh, to fear for the rest of their lives. So it is, uh, you know, the, you know, I look at my life and I think, my goodness, I'm a really lucky man, you know. All these wars have taken place during my lifetime. 64 years this year. The Second World War, Korean War, Vietnam War, what's all the other wars? And, uh, they've never really, you know, I've never really been, uh, damaged by it. Somehow too young for the Second World War. Korean War, I got in right at the end of it, just as I enlisted in the Navy, it ended. I guess they were so frightened of me. North Koreans surrendered and they knew I was coming. And then they... But I have a ribbon, campaign ribbon, saying Korean War veteran. Then, <laughs> then uh, too old for the Vietnam War. Like some some magical, uh, you know, ability to to dance through life, you know, without getting getting uh, shot down. Because uh, that is, uh, you know, you, you you realize the damage done to to youth. You know, like the Vietnam veteran is a good example, where the Americans suddenly realized uh, what and what they actually admitted, what actually was happening, how horrible it was to take whole generation of young men and uh, ruin their lives for what. What good did it do anyone? And yet, a government, power, powers in the government can just uh, say, you know, wage war and then conscript everybody they can into, into cooperating. But it's changing now, isn't it? Now it's not so easy. People aren't, are much, say in the United States or here in Britain, much more 
you know, aware of their rights and not so easily kind of swindled or deluded into uh, into the in, in, as they used to be. See. Not very long ago either. But the, the great thing of our life is the, is the potential for awakening. And that, that's a very simple thing, isn't it? like now, isn't it? But to, to really trust in your ability to be enlightened, to be awake now, it takes strong determination because it's so easy to fall back into planning the future, worrying about the future, dreading the future, uh, thinking about the past, uh, making all the worldly things important, whether people like you or don't like you, whether you're appreciated or not, or whether everything's fair or not fair, or whether, uh, you know, you've got enough or not enough, and this person gets more attention than that person, and... and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> all the worldly things become become uh, take us over, you know, jealousies and envy and and resentments, and we can completely spend our time on that level, or one moment of awakening, of listening, trust in that, this, this, that just that simple ability to right now just. Pay attention. Listen. That's it. Simple. Not much, you know. It doesn't, it's not like enlightenment. It's kind of, you know, a big, kind of like a flash takes place and, and you kind of go into an ecstasy or electric shock. It's very simple very direct. But if you interpret it in the, in the level of self, then, it, then you've lost it again. You know, I am. But if you trust it more, like the Sotavanta Bamunjandu Satang, the Sotavanta, the listener, and that just hovering in that poised state of attention, the mind receptive, open to the present, where you're not anybody, where when you become somebody, it's, it's, it, you know, you, can, you have some perspective on it. Uh, But if you never realize this simple practice, then then you can make Buddhist meditation something incredibly complicated, and uh, that will you know after years of of striving, struggling, and doing all these things, you you know you you probably uh, feel uh, a failure because. Uh, you, you, you haven't, you, you know, the, the, the simplicity of it is not, you've not seen, you've merely 
followed a lot of ideas and theories and and done all the things in a worldly way, you know, trying to attain, trying to become, trying to get rid of. So I encourage you, the not knowing in this retreat now just to contemplate the sense of not knowing the nonplussed mind where the thinking uh, packs up. Don't know. Are you going to Italy tomorrow, Ajahn Samir? Don't know. In terms of experience right now. <clears throat> so tomorrow is don't know. And, and, in this, the, the, and, and you're aware of that. Not knowing of don't know is like this. So it, it's a very important realization to really, to really notice, to to, to make a mental note, not knowing is like this. There's the ringing silence. The thought process stops. And more and more you're awakened to the present. Your mind is in a state of attentive receptivity and attention, awakened awareness in the present. Trust in that rather than in uh, ideas, plans, uh, views, opinions, schemes, and all the rest that we usually give great importance to in our lives. With the Vipaka Kama, uh, I, I always found that helpful. Uh, the uh, the idea that, like, when the conditions ripen and conditions come together, then you have your Vipaka Kama in the present. Because in terms of experience, it's like this. You know, I happen to be like this now. This is Vipakakama. This thing that you're looking at is Vipaka. Because uh, uh, it was form has survived 64 years. It looks like this 64 years later. This is the Vipaka of being born. Or they, on the emotional level, they, they, um, they, uh, whatever 
emotions or feelings and memories that come up. They they are what they are, but then seen in terms of vipaka rather than in terms of personal, uh, you know, making it into some something uh, personal. So that that uh, you in, you know in our lives we do have to. Uh, experience the, the the karma of our lives when it, when various things ripe and conditions come together and and this is what happens like this but always trust in that awareness of it like vipaka is a mental object that awareness mindfulness of the of the present of the condition in the present so that paradigm of awareness and the, the knowing, the Buddha knowing the Dhamma, the Puto knowing the Tamo. So that's the, that's the paradigm that we use. The perfect knowing, knowing the way it is in the present. So the Dhamma is the way it is in the present. All conditions are impermanent, uh, unsatisfactory, dukkha, anatta. The knowing includes both the condition and the unconditioned. Knowing the Bhutto, the Buddha knows the amatadhamma also, the deathless reality in the present. Knowing is like this. So that the, it's uh, it's the awakened, enlightened mind, universal, not a personal uh, ability. It has nothing to do with me as a person, as a as an entity. But in the in the, uh, uh, as I've said before, the, to apprehend the point of intersection of the timeless with time. <laughs> apprehend the point of intersection. A, this, this moment now, isn't it, is the point of intersection. Timeless time meet right now. And, uh, and to know the knowing, direct knowing, So it's not not just trying to to put aside the the coarse, unpleasant, irritating conditions of the present or running away from them, but recognize it in terms of experience through knowing rather than through preferring. Sometimes we want to just I want to just stay in the deathless, in the silence. I don't want to have to. Go back into the conditioned realm and all those annoying mosquitoes and gnats, midges, people. (laughs) All that. (laughs) It's like, 
So, but remember, our vipaka karma is like this, isn't it? It's it's a uh, it's human body, and so we, you know, how do we relate to to this? Is by embracing the moment in both in in every in whatever it is, you know, pleasant, unpleasant, uh, irritating, or or peaceful. Uh, it's not a it's not a there's no preference. The, in the, the direct knowing, the puto knows the dhamma, doesn't, isn't saying, I know, I, I, it isn't a picking and choosing puto. Buddha doesn't say, no, I don't want that, I want this. But the puto knows this conditions, all conditions are impermanent. Realizes the neuroda, the end of conditions. Realizes nibbana. Realizes the deathness. Now, this is this is the test, isn't it? This realm we live in is is something. You know, it, it, it or human lifetime isn't a very long time. The, the, I look back. You know, it seems very fast indeed. You know, 64 years, this seems like nothing, really. Hard to believe I'm that old. But 64 years have passed. Because I don't feel old. And yet, the perception of 64 to me is old. And people say, you're not old. And they think I'm, I'm probably searching for compliment <laughs> but actually in my my uh, value system of perception 64 is old that's, that's how you know that's how, uh, how it is in terms of how I regard somebody who's 64 years old including myself But I think I don't have about twenty years left, something like that, at the most. So, so that you know, you realize that the ending of your of this life, your karma, is is in its you know, it's in its downhill slide. It's it's ending phase. That's somehow very peaceful to know. I like that. But I don't mind that. Yeah, but yeah, I just, for those of you who are still young, remember life is not not very you know it goes by very brief, very fast. So, so this is a chance. This lifetime it is a chance to develop, and we have the excellent opportunity. The Buddha's teaching. We we have this. Excellent teaching uh, on how to learn, how to be enlightened, how to see things clearly. So that teaching is not not like a, you know, it's, it's available. It's, it's here. It's a, anyone who wants it can get it. It's not a secret teaching for the elite. And uh, 
and the conditions here are good for that. You know, you got you got this temple. I was walking, I was walking past the temple as I was uh, this afternoon, and I looked at it and I thought, hmm, you know, I'm responsible for this temple. This temple wouldn't have been here if I hadn't come to. <laughs> I felt quite proud of of the. And I walked over on the Frisden, crest of Frisden Hill, admired the temple from across. Oh, I built a temple. <laughs> Lovely temple uh, that uh, we can all use. You know, this is not not for me. It, it's a. Uh, it's a building that, that has a, a special, it's a, it has a special quality, isn't it? It's made for, built with this kind of faith, this kind of intention. Uh, so it, it, it's not just a, you know, a functional building like any other. It has a, it has a, a certain quality and character to it. One of these things, if you contemplate them, they help you to, to uh, to appreciate this chance that you have to to awaken to the Dhamma and liberate yourself from delusion. Well, not not many people have such cooperating conditions, and, uh, in, you know, like in that. Uh, Sorrowful young man uh, who's a war criminal, you know. Probably never even heard of Buddhism. So I offer this as a reflection for you.